Ready? Yep. All right. Just want to welcome everyone. Uh, the first SZ podcast of 2020. Uh, no better way to start it today than uh, we got all the boys in from Albuquerque, man. Best time of the year. Always this time in January. Uh, just an amazing weekend for me, everyone involved here, a whole bunch of families, and it's just an honor to have these guys back at the strike zone, back in Farmington um, for another year. So I just appreciate We've got a whole crew here today. Um, just as a ba baseball guy and the next player, having all this knowledge and talent in here is, is kind of special. So yeah, thanks. So uh, we got Drew here, Drew Gillespie. Uh, everyone remembers him from back in the day playing for us. Like I said the other day, the legend. Everyone gave me crap about that, that's for sure. Um, but we got Scotty, Scotty Gracie over here as well. Um, we got Mitch, Mitch Garver, uh, Jared Mang, and my man right here. Um, I forgot. Jeffrey. Jeffrey, sorry, man. Five tool. Yeah, five tool guy right here. But um, the whole podcast today is not about me, it's about what we're doing this weekend, what these guys have done in their career. Um, I always say it from the beginning, uh, being an ex player and just coming through this game my entire life, uh, just seeing what you guys do uh, to give back to families and actually my family being one of those. It's just an amazing thing I see every year and uh, it's just a tribute to what, how you guys are leading the charge in the game today and it's an honor to like be a part of it and just see it from a different perspective than I did as a player. So we just appreciate that and we know you don't have to be here today and we appreciate you being here. But um. Just to get it started, uh, Mitch, I'll start with you. Uh, just on the season this year, man, how was it this year? Uh, you just had a career year. Uh, we, we were following it down here, but um, just talk about how it was this year up in Minnesota, man. It was incredible. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've, I've really had a chance to reflect on it quite yet because, um, you know, it's I just went out and I played baseball. and. You know, we had a collection of guys that were really talented, and I think uh, the, the team that we put together was just so much fun because uh, it's a mixture of young guys and old guys, and uh, the, the leadership that we had was it was so much fun just to show up every day and play. Because for a lot of the year, I think we knew, like, whenever the game started, we were about to beat up on somebody. Like we knew our offense you guys was hit good. Tanks. Let's yeah, be, let's be real. We hit homers. Yeah. Like <laughs> at a different level. And that was it. We were like, yo, let's go out. We're gonna score a bunch of runs. Yep. And pitchers just kinda hold it down. Yep. You know, get us to the seventh inning. Our bullpen was solid. Get us into the late game with a chance. Yep. And like like I said in one interview, I was like, You can't beat us with three runs. Because yep. we knew our offense was gonna score. We were so deep. Everybody on the I mean Late in the year, if you weren't in the starting lineup, we had 60 home runs on the bench, right. which is crazy to think about. Like, we had guys that could hit one through nine, and then our bench guys on that day, whether they're getting a breather or whatever, like we had 60 home runs on the bench legitimately. So it was just super fun to be a part of. Yeah, I always used to. They always used to tell me uh, when I was getting closer up to the big leagues and stuff, and they're like, "Man, if you ever get up there, you just hope you're a part of something special. Like, especially if you're a rookie." coming up and doing that but have you have you guys seen a change in the game just with power and hitting or is it just for sure uh, like the, the pitching to me and I'm going back I, I mean I'm, I've been out for a while now but when I just watch it on TV and I watch what you guys have to hit these days like it just seems like it's just gone to another level when I was coming through you see 95 plus it was like it was on a different level well you know I'm watching you guys play and it's like 98 consistent exploding sliders but you guys are hitting homers at rates just that are just amazing so just explain like the just the hitting how it's evolved over the years I would like to know just from a different perspective being out for a while it's it's power on both sides of the ball right you're trying to get big arms that are throwing hard with good breaking balls uh, from the pitching standpoint you're looking for strikeouts um, there's not a lot of uh, put the ball in play there's not a lot of guys that want the hitters to put the ball in play because on the hitting side of it you're the only way you're going to really score runs is to hit home runs right but, i mean if you're facing garrett cole the chances of you stringing together four or five hits is pretty slim right right so you you're, you're trying to get a guy on base and then pop a two-run homer and that'll get you a lead yeah. but i mean uh it's it's all about power it's all about getting the ball in the air 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's studies coming out. There's numbers that will tell you that balls put in the air on the barrel, they have a higher chance of being a hit. Yeah. Anything hit on the ground. Yeah. You hit a ground ball to Andrelton Simmons, you're out. Right. Anywhere on that side of the infield, like, you're going to be out. So, it's it's the game is evolving for sure. Have you had to change your approach from college into professional to where you are now? Was there like a switch or an adjustment you made that took you to that next level? Was there just hitting wise to like yeah. you're saying to go through the power numbers? Because you know, just like you're saying, balls in the air. When I was coming through, no one talked like that. It was just it. See, you can just see over the years now. It's kind of evolved into different talk. And I just wonder, like, how you've evolved as a hitter from UNM doing it there and then into what you're doing now with the power numbers in the big leagues. If yeah. there was, like, a switch or something. Oh, there for sure was. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I could always put the barrel in the baseball. Like, I could always find the barrel. I could put the ball in play pretty well. And then it kind of happened over the last two or three years where I was like, well, am I going to go – how am I going to get to the big leagues? Am I going to do it by hitting 280 or 290? Maybe. But how am I going to be a force in the big leagues is you're going to hit the ball over the fence or you're going to drive the ball. And so I linked up with Jason Columbus, who's kind of been around New Mexico baseball for a long time. Yeah. And we kind of started changing things. He, Particularly this past year, he wanted me to get it right on top of the plate and I'm going to challenge the pitcher to throw the ball inside. And the pitcher's either going to miss over the plate or he's going to hit me. Right. Like not a lot of guys are going to hit that inside corner consistently. So we're looking for – bad breaking balls over the plate or fastballs on the outer half that you know he wasn't meaning to throw it there right and so we're looking to do yeah we're looking to do damage on bad pitches right basically take my chances going up there looking for a slider and one at bat and you know if he leaves one over the plate i'm trying to get it in the air yeah that's an interesting way to look at it just on top of the plate and challenge the guy to throw in because i remember even coming up through the levels especially when you got up to like double a you would see the good arms but i remember guys couldn't throw consistent in you know they would always be nervous like coming in there you right but then when you go up around the veteran guys it was like okay they can double up or triple up in there if they have their half their stuff you know mm -hmm. but i think that fear factor plays a role that's interesting man because i've heard alex talk about the same thing with his approach and just the, i when i watch him hit in houston that same thing he's on top of the dish he's lightning quick yeah inside and just the way, like you say, the approach with breaking balls. It's good to just hear the different approaches. Over well, the he's, he's a little bit different, too, because his arms are shorter. Right. He wants the ball close to him. Right. Like, he wants the ball in to pull. I want the ball middle of the plate to middle away so I can get extended. Right. If it's inside, I'm just not going to swing. Right. So it's like two different approaches with the same idea. Like, he's looking to do pull side damage right. on anything inside. I'm looking to do pull side damage on anything over the plate. So it's like, yeah, that's how do you match it up to yourself? And, I, and going back to like the pitcher stone inside, I think a pitcher only hits his spot 12 to 14% of the time, maybe even less. Like they cannot hit that spot regularly. And I've learned that on the catching side, right? I'm like, I'm on the plate. I'm trying to maximize strikes that our pitchers throw. And if he misses a spot on the other side of the plate, umpire's not going to give that to you. So how do you... How do you maximize that strike zone for yourself? Right. That's that's a big part of the game right now, too. I mean, you talk about the success that, that you and a majority of teams had, I think, over the over the course of the season with, I don't even know how many teams there were that, that exponentially jumped their homer numbers mm -hmm. for a franchise. But, you know, we've been talking about hitting approach and this and that, but let's flip it a little bit. Let's talk about you on the catching side of it now and how you're trying to combat yeah. that with the staff that you've had Right, and I mean these guys are all. Some of these guys, we got some upcoming young flamethrowers over here as well. But if you're watching the game, if you're a student at all, you're seeing the increase of not only guys are trying to hit homers, but coming back into the game is the elevated fastball. I think, yeah, where you're seeing a lot of that now. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, I think I think unless unless you have elite sync on your baseball, they're gonna try to teach. They're looking for a number. Organizations are looking for high carry, high spin fastballs at the top of the zone, and a good breaking ball that has depth. There's not a lot of sinker slider anymore, unless you've got a good, you know, really elite command or really elite sink. And there's so many ways to track it now, like the track man, and, and there's even like handheld radar guns that'll tell you yeah. if this ball is spinning enough to get swings and misses. Because when you throw a baseball, right, 
No matter what, the ball's gonna go down. Gravity is gonna pull the ball down. But if you have a high enough carry, is what they coined it as, is carry, is when you throw the ball, it stays on the horizontal plane longer. That's where you get the swings and misses at the top of the zone. It's not the velocity. It's how long can you stay behind the baseball as a pitcher and throw it, and will the ball stay on a horizontal plane longer? So they, they measure it now with, like, in terms of vertical break. So it's on a, like, 0 to 20 scale, say 20 inches. Um, 20 inches of vertical break, up or down. Uh, when you throw a baseball, like, we'll say the most elite carry in the game, we'll just uh, say Aroldis Chapman. Okay, so he, not only does he have extension on his fastball, but he's got really good spin rate and really good carry. So he stays behind his forcing the best, and the ball stays on the horizontal plane longer. That makes it harder to swing, you know, harder to make contact with. So you get a lot of swing and misses. Uh, that's why they're paying him a ton of money because of his swing and misses, and he can throw the ball over 100 miles an hour. So going back to what Gracie said, like guys are looking – Scouts are looking for guys that have that special element, right? Yeah. That special ingredient. Like, what does he have that other people don't? And that's how they're building their bullpens. And that's how guys are scouting nowadays. Yeah, I mean, even what's in the game for me when the playoffs were on this year, it's amazing to me just how bullpens are used today. I mean, you're facing... I remember when we would get to the 7th, 8th, and ninth. Like you say, you're facing those dudes where you're seeing one dude after each other and they're all nasty, but they're all fresh. You're not facing the dude four times in a game. And then you watch most of the playoffs now, they're bringing in relievers in the fourth, fifth inning. And then they're just running dudes out the rest of the game. So I just like the hitting approach just to change, with, like you say, with the pitching approach. Yeah, It's it's cool to it's gonna, see the evolution just of it all. Going to change again this year with the old, the old three-hitter deal. Yeah, so there's a three-batter minimum now. That'll be interesting. You either have to face three batters or finish an inning. Really? Yeah, that's a new rule this year in the major leagues. I did not even know so that. So the, the lefty-only specialist is you're going to have to be able to get out a few righties as well. So it'll be interesting to see how lineups are stacked in certain ways. Wow, they just got rid of that. Huh? That lefty specialist, that's... That guy's that's Yeah, that's going to be interesting on how people work lineups. and They call it the Oliver mm -hmm. Perez rule. Yep. I mean, yeah. Oliver Perez, he's in our division. He comes in, he's been pitching for a long time. He comes in to face one lefty. Yep. You know, and they bring in somebody else to get out of righty. Yeah. But it's that'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm a little curious, too. I mean, you kind of just touched on the technology and stuff that is obviously at the highest level of baseball, with, with the stuff that you guys are doing. But we got Jared over here who's entering his, what, this is your first full season, correct? Yeah. First full season of pro ball. College guy, Drew. Like, would you two guys, I mean, obviously Mitchell's at the, the highest level of, the, of these uses and we're kind of seeing guys that are getting scolded or, or punished for the amount of technology use Astros and Red Sox obviously but can you guys talk a little bit about the type of technology that you're using in order to, to kind of enhance your game and the stuff that you guys are doing at New Mexico right now if, I mean whatever that is yeah I think uh, this this first year is when we brought on that rap soda to start tracking what Mitch was talking about and I mean it really changed my eyes I wasn't a big technology guy with baseball I was kind of old school but thinking about it and learning more every day it's really interesting it's helped me as a pitcher I mean I went into college I could throw the ball hard I was from Albuquerque I threw it harder than everybody else and uh, I got to college and I learned real quickly that Velo is not going to beat a lot of people you know I'm going to have to learn how to pitch and with that rap soda and all that technology it's instant feedback on you know we can fine-tune minor things in a bullpen, pitch to pitch, to see how I can get my ride to be the best it can be. What was one thing that you were like, dang, I thought this was pretty good, but it could be a lot better if you could? Um, like Mitch said, like I thought I had a good sinker down, and yeah. when we put it on the numbers, it was below average. Yeah. And my best pitch was actually a fastball up. And we learned that probably halfway through the year last yeah. year during the season. And I'm against Nevada, I had 12 strikeouts, and the first time I had double-digit strikeouts. and it jumped right up and it's it's cool to use the technology to fine-tune the kind of player you are yeah. and learn what what you do best and pitch off of what you do best yeah. you know as a pitcher if i'm going to get beat i want to get beat with my best stuff and no you know doubt. that's something i can live with no doubt. what about you jumping from 
aluminum to wood and having that. Well, that yeah, thing. I mean, in college, the most uh, technology we really used is like we had some film on some starting pitcher, and yeah. you might get to watch one guy who you're going to face in a weekend, maybe two guys, and then going into pro ball, changing the wood bat. You know, they've got us in the cage on with the rap soda. You can see how your ball's spinning off the bat, how far it's going, like what your bat speed is, stuff like that. And they've got us hooked up in all kinds of sensors, like seeing how your body moves, like what... K-motion. Yeah, the, the K-vest. Yeah, yeah, see where where all your, your body parts are at during the swing and what starts it, what finishes it. And it's just, it's really interesting because, you know, like sometimes things just work yep. because they work for you and then you get on the on the KVS and you see where everything's going and how you can try to change something to get a little more efficiency or bat speed or whatever it is just trying to put it all together I mean I think that's the coolest thing about sports is I'm trying to make a drastic jump to get to the next level and, and Mitch is working every day to maybe get 1% better 1% more efficient and that's the cool thing is the big time athletes that get there never stop. Is they're always trying to get one percent better, and I think that's what help, helps with the technology is we get that instant feedback as athletes, and we can feel what's working and feel what's not on paper now. Yeah, and I really feel like we live in that culture today too. I mean, it kind of goes along with the way culture is for 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 all of us. We're we're instant gratification with our phones. We get everything now, so. I even see that with kids that we teach in here. It's just you have to adapt as a coach sometimes and see how it's changed, you know, because how are you going to get the best out of a kid when they know everything here? It's like they want that feedback. Sometimes you just – it's got to be it's, – it's just adapting over the years, man. You know, you, you still want – you still got to put in the work by yourself, you know, and do that. I'm not saying it's all on technology because that's where you fully have developed, which – I'll get into with you guys here and I'll just lead into it to what got you to the level you're at today. You know, just talk about the sacrifice all of you guys made and when you knew you had the talent and what you were going to do. And I'll just, like for me, it's funny, Damien talks about this story, Damien Lovato, who has been in here with me for a lot of years, but he went to UNM out of high school, then transferred to NMJC and he sees what you're doing now. As a, as a player, but he, re, he remembers this as a kid, just as someone who passed through there. He's like, you know, Mitch just had that work ethic. He just had his head down. He wasn't going to mess around. He grinded. And the exact word was grinded. And he's like, that's why he's doing what he's doing now. And he's seen that at UNM. So just talk a little bit about where that work ethic came from. Was it, you know, instilled from your parents or just when you knew, like, I, I have this dream because we all have it. It's like it's there, and you're like, you know what? I'm going at, I'm laying everything out there, and I'm going at it with everything I got, man. Yeah, I, I, I'll be the first to tell you that playing big in the big leagues wasn't my dream. I loved baseball and I loved soccer. I played both, and uh, you know, I just kind of I wanted to be the best at whatever I was doing, so I just put in a lot of man hours, hitting and fielding and being around like a baseball comp, being around the early early days of ABA and when we were just in a warehouse. I'd go there with some of my buddies in high school and we would spend, from the time we got out of school to the time we had to go home, we were there at the cage, we would play hitting games and we would throw and we would hang out and just basically just hang out with the boys. That's, yeah. that's what we did. And so it, it progressed and I got to the point where, you know, I was thinking about playing college baseball but my priority was getting a degree and I wanted to go to school. I wanted to be a chiropractor or work in the physical therapy field. And, you know, I got, I got a non-invited or an invited walk-on to play at UNM. So there's no scholarship money. You know, I good, had good enough grades to go to college. So I was like, all right, this is cool. I'm going to play some college baseball, see where it goes. I didn't realize I was any good until my junior year where I, you know, we had a great team. We won the championship. I kind of went off, you know, I hit like 370 with 10 homers and, I was like, man, this I, I might actually get drafted this year. Like, I, I have no idea how the draft works. I have no idea how professional baseball works, but I, you know, maybe I could see myself doing this. Uh, I ended up not getting drafted my junior year, which kind of came as a surprise, even though maybe it shouldn't have. Uh, I didn't get drafted. I went to play in Cape Cod, and I just had the best time out in Cape Cod, just playing the best high, the best college baseball that you can play. 
went back for my senior year and I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to really try to go for it. And that was kind of my dream at that point. I was like, I want to, I want to play professional baseball. Let's see where it goes. I think it'd be cool to, to make money playing a game. And then one year after another, you know, I just got a little bit better at something else, got in the gym, really took care of my body, kind of focused on maybe one thing out of year. Like, how do I throw harder? How do I get a little bit stronger? How does my swing get a little bit quicker? How can I catch better? You know, one year at a time, just add a little bit something else into my game. And then finally, you know, like 2017 came around, I made my debut and it was just like, you know, all those years in the minor leagues, playing, riding on buses, late nights, kind of, it was all worth it. So that's, that was kind of my first, like, coming out as like, you know what, maybe I do want to play professional baseball. Yeah. And now it's, now I'm at the point where I belong, and not only do I want to play, but I want to be the best at it. Yeah. It's funny it comes back to that, man, because when you said it from the beginning, you're like, all I wanted to do was just be the yeah. best on what I wanted to do. Yeah. And it was never yeah. like forced upon you or anything, but it's come full circle where you just said it now after your biggest year in the big leagues doing what you're doing. You're like, man, I just want to be the best. Yeah. And man, that mindset is just, it's, it's awesome to hear because I'll tell you guys, man, for me, and Scotty may be able to hit on this a little bit, but for me, I really believe this. If, if you don't give your best to everything that God blessed you with, with talent. You know, and this is what I dealt with after I played, because God blessed me with talent to do a lot of things in this game. And listen, I partied too much. I, I did things I shouldn't have. You know, I didn't treat it the way it should have been done. And for years after that, I regretted it. And it was like, I never understood it. You know, not even to this, like recently. I never understood why that was there. And it gets back to what you just said. When I was there, I didn't give my absolute best. And I'm talking like my absolute best, where I laid it all out there. I was going to be in the gym every day. I wasn't going to go out. That's it. I'm going to be my best. No, I, I, I'd go out to the nightclub. I would do that. And then guess what shows up later? Regret. Yeah. And that's what I try to tell kids today, man. If you give your best right now, in the present moment, no matter where it is, and I've learned this in business, like business is just as nasty as being an athlete. It's crazy. And it's just about giving your best in the present moment, wherever you're at, whether it's, hey, today I'm catching, I've got to learn this, give your best there. And then when you go home, you've got to be your best given a husband. But it's the mindset from the beginning. You know, it's just about you and your personal journey of giving your best. And if you do that, tomorrow's okay, man. You know, yeah. but if you don't, it's like it, it never leaves. And that's why I like you guys. Like for you guys that are just starting your career, man, don't allow that to even cross your mind where it's there's a what if. Because it's just, you, the regret shows up. The day you don't get up and go to the gym and the day you don't give your best that day, it shows up in the future as something that you don't want. Yeah. And that's, it, it, it's, it's hard. Yeah, man. and let's, let's kind of go on because like obviously I'm not playing college baseball or professional but like like kind of with Mitch's mindset too of like being your best you kind of like it opens doors for other avenues I mean he just said his dream wasn't to play professional right. baseball but he wanted to be the best at whatever he did and then ironically eventually eventually he realized that he was good at baseball and it and it set something free like to those kids that are like thinking about playing guitar but they don't want to do it if they spend 30 minutes and they give their best effort it might lead to something and and there is sacrifice too, so it's it's kind of cool to hear your story because you know, I I I've I've seen a lot of different people. I mean, Shiloh, supernatural athlete, Adam, you too, and then like to hear your story where it's like, I just worked and wanted to be the best, and and now you're performing at that level too. So it's it's cool to see that like, yeah, talent can take you so far, but like the willpower to be your best. And it's cool just to hear over. someone that just hit that many bombs saying, "I want to be better." Yeah, because that's that that's a, Never that's, being a missing satisfied. Link on, that's a missing link right there. You know, of just being a competitor. That's a, that's just amazing to hear. That's how I know you're going to do massive things, man. That's a mindset that just as an athlete or as a competitor or in anything, that's that's just a winning mindset. You yeah, know? we try. I mean, we try to get better every day. I got Mang's working out with me now. That's yeah. it's been great. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know that you've been challenged like the things that we're doing. You've probably never done some of those things before. And, you know, we hit off the machine every day, high yeah. velocity. We get blown up. We both get blown up. Yeah. Like, he's broken a few bats. I mean, we're all trying to learn something together, and we're yeah. trying to 
you know, get better because he's at a point in his career where, like, hey, we can take off this year. Yeah. Like, you go pop 15, 20 homers this year, all of a sudden you're on the prospect list and you're a guy. Yeah. And that's kind of how it starts. So it's, it's fun, too, because I was just talking with Gracie about this. Like, five, six years ago, he was in my position yeah. where I was learning from him and he was taking care of me and making sure that I was doing what I needed to do to be successful. Yeah. Him and Jordan both, Jordan Pacheco. Yeah. So, you know, I, we, we would get in the gym and it's like, hey, where are you today? I was like, uh, playing video games or something. <laughs> I think it just speaks volumes. I mean, well, just to kind of touch on that as well, just I think, Adam, you've done a great job with this Farmington community and how everybody has rallied around what you have here. Obviously, your family, your absolute stud of a daughter and the stuff that she's gone through. Um, but just New Mexico, the New Mexico baseball family. Um, Jordan was that guy for me. He was a, a year old, you know, just a, a year ahead and just kind of had that year of knowledge that kind of was like, hey, no, no, you need to come be doing this. You need to be working out here. You need to be doing this with your body. And I think we were talking about it. It's just, it, it's cool. Every year there's one, two, three, four, four more guys that are kind of hopping on the train, and it's just this tight-knit community, and it, yeah. it's really cool to see Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, guys that are coming from out of state that are, that are UNM guys or, or what have you that are just having the success that they're having, and I, I think it's it's a lot to do to this, that just culture, that, that tight-knit family that we have here, whether it's Farmington, Albuquerque, wherever, but um, very cool to see. I mean, the baseball community, as we know, is, is so small, and um, the stuff that each and every one of these guys brings to the table, whether it's athletically or in the community, stuff like that, just you know, goes such a long way. Um. I mean, growing up in Albuquerque, behind these guys, definitely is. I grew up two minutes away from the Cueva. Like I watched these dudes <laughs> do some mean things to a lot of people, a lot of kids <laughs> in Albuquerque. And it just comes down to in a good to, way. In a great way. They won a lot of state championships. They won a lot over there, the Cleveland. For me personally is I watched from a distance and I, I watched how they worked, whether it be an ABA from a different cage. And um, my dream was to be a hitter and to play shortstop and I learned that in college that it wasn't gonna work out and I, I love the game. <clears throat> hybrids, we call them and hybrids. Hybrids, there we go. I like that. Um, but I definitely got to college, and the first thing I learned is you're not you're not going to become successful unless you become uncomfortable, and it's it's that first it's that first sign of failure that scares a lot of people away. And I mean, I think the cool thing I I know Mitch and I know Scott have a story for sure that where they failed and they looked and they just said, you know what, I'm just going to stick with my plan. I'm going to stick with it on a daily basis, and I'm going to just get better every day. Um, personally, my I've had a couple years in college where I didn't succeed where I wanted, and like it was like either fail or just you know strap up and keep going. And it's been a lot of struggle for me, but to be able to watch a guy like Mitch that walked onto UNM, same place I play, not get drafted after his junior year, come back and even have a better senior year, and still make it to the bigs. Like, I mean, it's just special for me to be able to watch these guys and you know sitting around a computer right now talking with them like it's just special for me to be able to be around this community you know hopefully make it where yeah I'm sitting where Mitch is sitting today talking with a kid that's my age now and pass it on to how do you teach that me and Adam are in this spot now where I'm I'm at an academy in El Segundo California Beach City Um, Adam's Adam's teaching here obviously Um, just kind of talking to you guys I mean maybe when did you realize or maybe accept that you had a gift and that you know what it was I mean you said it wasn't going to be baseball at first but like remember that you said it was your junior year how about how about you mayor like when did you understand that hey I got a chance I got to make the most of this and I'm just going to go you know uh I mean realistically it was probably like right before I got into high school you know I was I was playing multiple sports and I was having a lot of fun just playing, and I liked it. And you know, it's you know, every kid, oh, I want to be a professional athlete one day. And then it got to the point where it was like, you know, what if I if I ever actually want that, I kind of need to go for it. And so I mean, I started playing uh, only baseball in high school and started 
you know, going to tournaments and I started having like more and more success as I put more time into it and it kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I have, there is something here, but I need to do even more because I need to, you know, take it and make it the best I possibly can. And then, you know, I got an opportunity to go play at New Mexico and, you know, I was real excited. My, My younger brother was coming the year after me and so I was like, all right, cool, I'll go have fun playing and then my freshman year was okay like I, I played a lot but it was like I didn't really succeed necessarily I was just kind of there and then going into my sophomore year I had a really good year and so I was like all right like this is the chance you know going into my junior year this is the time where like I've really got to go off if I want to do something with it and you know, I got hurt going into that year like right at the start of the season and it was soul crushing because it was like man this was my shot you know, and like I, I feel like I had put so much into it and it was all slipping away. And then it just, you know, motivated me even more going back for my senior year. And I knew it wasn't going to be like the big dream of the, you know, the big money, whatever. But it was just all I wanted was a chance yeah. to, to go do that. So and failure. Failure was kind of that thing. Failure, that, that, was that, that motivation. Yeah, I mean, it, that'll motivate you like nothing else. Because yeah. when everything's going good, it's easy. When you, when you fail and you have that adversity, you find out exactly who you are and why you're doing it. Or that injury. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I definitely. I mean, last year before the season, I, I herniated this in my back, and it was definitely like I battled with it every day of waking up where, like, I was healthy enough to play, but, like, I didn't know what I could give. And it was it's mentally draining as being an athlete of – not or showing up to the yard every day and not knowing what I can give, you know, not knowing if I can go do my sprints with my team or not knowing if I can throw on that day because I got to take it off because I got to pitch on Friday. So, I mean, and my dream was to get drafted after my junior year and I didn't put up good enough numbers because I was dealing with that on the side. And like for me, I didn't want to use it as an excuse and I kept pushing it away and I finally just let it go and took it out of my hands and got surgery and you know, took the time away from the game. And in the the seven months of the fall, or the seven weeks in the fall where I didn't play, were the most I've learned in all of baseball is, it was, I got to drive back, you know, I watched, I watched how other people competed. And I took from what they do well and what they don't well, and I applied it to my daily life. Um, I even started writing in a journal that like, I scoffed at people who said, hey, write your thoughts in a journal, you know, like it'll help. Yeah. Write what you work on every day in a journal. And I started doing that and I started seeing uh, the day-to-day progress, uh, the progression of getting better every day like Mitch talked about. And it's, that's the cool thing about our game is we get to wake up and we play it every day. And it's, it becomes a lifestyle of what am I going to do today to feel great tomorrow so I can compete at the highest level. I mean, that's failure taught me that, which is funny. Yeah. You know, it's ironic for sure, but man, it, you get to a point where you just kind of, you feel like you release your hands and you just let it go and you just go to work and whatever happens, you're cool with. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part for me is, you know, I coach our, our 10s and our 11U teams in, in California and some of these kids are very, very talented, but they still don't understand that it is a game of failure. You're not going to go four for four. You're not going to go five for five. How do you I mean, on a daily basis, right? You still have the kids that'll hit a missile and line out and come back to the dugout, you know, tearing up. Like, yep. you guys are, I mean, they've all had stories. I've had stories. And I guess just trying to, what's that message to, to the young player that, you know, it is a game of failure, but how do you use that as motivation? How are you okay with making it out but not being satisfied, I guess? Yeah, I mean, you just gotta, you gotta stick with the process and it's hard to teach kids because they want the result, <laughs> and it's so hard. It's so hard. I mean, it's more than ever too. I think now because of technology, right? Yeah. I mean, every, everything's there. Right. You know? Everybody's seen well, everything. I think where we've kind of been successful here in Farmington, anyways, and just like we kind of switched up our camps this year, and like when we put the kids in uncomfortable situations, like really hard workouts and stuff, and like they know it's going to be hard and it's going to be something that they're going to have to like grind through, and they like. It, they almost want to fail at it, but, like, we're pushing them to get through it. They kind of understand that failure aspect a little bit more where it's like, okay, I just did something that was really hard. I wasn't going to do it or even think about doing it because I knew it was going to be too hard and I didn't know it was coming. And they go through that and it's like, okay, maybe if I go 
two for three with two with the strikeout or I do really good and it doesn't go my way, it's okay. Like that's just part of the process too. And I think that's that's where we like kind of keeping the new school stuff, like the technology and stuff, but also that old school like hustle, grind, get after it mentality. Like I, I think right now we we have to make it a balance and we we can't run too far with the technology but also stay super old school because I mean you guys were talking about the technology stuff and I was like didn't even know that existed in baseball and I'm like sitting here like mind blown you know so it's 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 an interesting thing but I think where we've been really successful with that is I've seen kids smile and after they did just last week this kid did 100 burpees in 10 minutes and I think on like the sixth set the sixth set he's like he's like wanting to quit and we push him through it and by the time he's done like that kid feels like a champion and he's like I just did something that I've never accomplished before and like he shows up the next day like there's definitely been a switch too with our camps of like kids not necessarily coming in for baseball because Farmington's known to be that baseball town or whatever but like you see kids if you really pay attention and open your eyes a little bit they just want to be the best that they can be back to what mitch was saying man like i just want to be the best at this and it's going to go over into everything else it's going to transfer over and i think we've gotten away from that idea of like you have to only be good at one thing where it's like no you can you can be good at multiple things i mean adam's a good example of that of waking up at four o'clock in the morning and running and then going to vertical radio to run the radio station and then at noon being here to run the strike zone like he's crushing it in multiple areas and and our society is telling us no you can only do one thing and that kind of leans into the conversation of like single sport athletes right you always hear those coaches my coach my high school coach being one of them like stick to one sport and then you hear all these other guys going no man you should do all the sports everything you can be the best at what you want to be the best at and for some people it is that they they find that sport and they're like that's what i want to do i mean he just said that when he got into high school He's like, I knew baseball was my jam. I'm sticking with baseball. And like where I was at, I was like, you know what? I wish I would have tried tennis. I wish I would have tried these other things. But so many people were telling me to stick to the one thing that I, I missed those opportunities. And now I'm making up for it, you know, being 20 and stuff and, and doing this, like the podcast and stuff like that. But I think that's that's where we got really good at, at that failure aspect is throwing stuff at kids that they don't expect that – they don't even think they, they can get through and they can. That's, what that's, does Adrian say? Comfortably uncomfortable? Just be comfortably uncomfortable. Yep. But I'll just say it on this though, man. How many coaches actually live that when they talk to the youth today? Yeah, like that, the, youth, the youth ain't stupid, man. Yeah. Like if you're going to put that kid in an uncomfortable situation, you sure as hell better put yourself you, in an you uncomfortable have to live situation that day yeah. too. You have to live there too. And I, I think that's something that we've learned too. I mean, we've been – We've been doing that stuff, and especially me, like, I wasn't doing a bunch of crazy stuff, and then it's like, you, it, it's like that unspoken language stuff, right? Like, you go and tell your kid to do 100 burpees, and you're just watching them, like, that kid's not going to have respect for you, but if they know you're getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning working out, and your coach is like, hey, you're going to do 100 burpees in 10 minutes, that kid's going to be like, man, this is going to suck, but he did it, so I'm going to try it, and there's a, there's a respect thing, right? Did you have a guy, Mitch, in the? Did you got have a guy in the big leagues that you just watched when you were coming up? That you like, you you just you, you knew that was like you just gravitated towards, like you just went like Grant just said, you watched their actions to like mold you into to like teaching you the right way, like you you know. Well, I mean, I would, maybe not when I was coming up, but I had my eyes open this past year with the way that Nelson Cruz kind of did his thing yeah it was crazy like he comes in say the clubhouse opens at noon he's there at noon he brings food he takes care of all the guys you know all the latin players they want to feel that comfort so he brings them all latin food and they all eat and they all socialize and then immediately after he's in the gym and he's his pregame takes about two hours hour and a half to two hours and he's in there and he's doing all of his movements and making sure his body's ready he goes over his video scouting. He goes over his approach. He hits in the cage. He takes a nap every day. You know, an hour before the game, he takes a nap. Got to have it. Got to have it. How old's Nelly? He's going to be 40 this year. Yeah, he was Boy. actually my teammate in the A system yeah. back in 2004 Yeah. when he was coming up. And 
I remember, man, he was in Modesto, California, in high A, and he could always, he had a little bit of power, like a little, like when he ran into it, he ran into it. And then I tell you what, man, something changed. And I remember being in Portland, Oregon, and he got called up to AAA when I was in Sacramento, and everyone's like, you know, Nelly's tearing it up. And I remember he hit a ball in Oregon, man, and that's a big left field wall there. There's a street up there, and there's a bank across the street. And he put it off that bank, man. I'd never seen just balls hit that hard. And then when he, he actually, he went to Texas, and then I went to Texas, and we played together a little bit in Oklahoma, and then he went up and never came back down again. But he turned a corner, man, where he turned into an absolute monster at the plate. Yeah. And to see what he's still doing, like I seen him like do what he did with you guys this year. I'm like, man, what a monster! But now it makes sense. Look at the work ethic, man. Yeah, that, his, that's what I, we I would really say. His past to. six or seven years, he's been the most consistent and dangerous designated hitter in the league. Yeah, like, that's crazy. He's he's Forty. Like, that insight right there is like, how many kids you coach that are going to say their favorite player is Nelson Cruz? Yeah. You know. It's those guys in the big leagues, those kind of stories that, like, I love Mitch telling us about are the big leaguers. Like, those guys you don't know, those those Bartolo Colones of the world that have been in the league so long, and, like, how do they do it, you know? And it's it's that. It's plain and simple. They used grind. to say when I was coming through, I asked a big league hitting coach one year, and I said, who's the best guy in the big leagues back in 04? And he said Manny at the time, when Manny was in Boston hitting behind Big Poppy. But he said the same thing. He said Manny was under the stadium at 1.30 in the afternoon hitting sliders the other way. Mm -hmm. You know, and just like with you coming up when you hear something like that, it's like, man, that's the level that you're going up to compete against. So it's just like if you don't have that mentality, like he's saying, you're already behind. You know, that's, it's, it's amazing to hear because I want kids to hear that too. If you want to be a big leaguer for that long, are you willing, truly willing to do what it seriously takes to do it? Or you just, you just say it for fun, you know? But that's, that's what it takes, man. You're saying 12 o'clock, you play at 7, and he's there, and he's working, grinding. And he, he's been up there for 20 years, man. Like, that's... And he's getting better at something every day. Yeah. You know, like, once a week, he's on the field early hitting hard breaking balls, or he's hitting high, high fastballs, or yeah. he's learning something new every day because... It's not always going to feel good. Right. You got to go out there and fix something sometimes. Right. You got to put in a little sweat and uh, put in that sweat equity and, and figure something out on right. your own. Sometimes it sucks. And I mean, not everything's perfect. A lot harder when you're over 22. Right? Yeah. And that's the tough one. Well, let's just finish on this, boys. The camps this weekend and what it's evolved into. And I've been, I've been so honored to be a part of it, just even from the beginning with Sully. Um, but just what you're doing for families across the state, man, and just what it means to do this off the field, especially you, Mitch. And, I'm, you know, Grant, I'm going to have him, like, this story that Grant told me today was that the first year you were here, Mitch, and you probably... Well, here, I'll, I'll tell it, I'll yeah. tell it. So, uh, yeah, I think it was, this is your third year doing this camp? Yeah, so the first year you came, I mean, uh, I had just been kind of rehooking up with Adam, so I attended the dinner and my dad had noticed it actually you came to every single table and i think you're the only guy that did this and shook everybody's hand for coming and supporting adam and when you did that my dad was like i don't care if he's up and coming i don't care we're buying his jersey because he's he came and respected everybody and like that just kind of like hit me really hard of like and it, and, it, and it starts with what you said too man like you're trying to be the best in everything and you can definitely tell that it's transferring everything, but, like, it really hit me pretty hard of, like, just you being, like, a down-to-earth person. Like, you know, you get those people that make it big, and they're too good for people, and, and you're just not that guy. And I think that that shows with what you're, you guys are doing here, all of you guys coming down and, uh, and doing this camp and stuff and, like, how it can impact someone like me who, like, likes the game but obviously didn't make it at a, at a physical standpoint and mentally just not playing anymore but, like, still – showing leadership in other areas so yeah it's yeah. kind of cool to appreciate to watch that, yeah no problem man and it's it's just something i learned young man i mean you're not above anybody i don't care who you are but i mean going back to the camp like you said my third year doing this i don't think any of us really knew what it would kind of go into right because it started off we're just trying to raise some money we're gonna help out a baseball family and then <clears throat> morrissey family came along we're like shoot let's let's raise some money here we can 
you know, we got some jerseys to auction off. And I, I definitely didn't know what this would turn into. And being year three, this was kind of passed on to me. But now it's like, all right, any New Mexico baseball family that needs assistance, like we're we're pulling together this money, whatever it is. I got some catcher's gear. You got some jerseys. We yeah. got bats, pictures. Like we're trying to raise money through the community to help out some families. Yeah. And we're doing it the right way. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, both having the camp here in Farmington and having it in Albuquerque is, is great. Uh, obviously the kids love coming out and, and getting some work in and, we, we love being together. You know, we get to see each other a few times a year now that Grace is gone, and uh, there's a lot of guys up here I, I don't see, you know, but once a year. So it's a good time for us to get together, and, and like I said, we're doing it the right way. No, that's the truth, man. And I can, I can see it from two standpoints just for me, and I know you guys come up a lot and stuff, but just from, like, me being a dad for what Grace has gone through, like, baseball family has a completely different meaning to me than what it did when I was coming through, you know? Because my daughter, I can I can honestly sit here in front of God today and my daughter would not be where she is today without you guys. That's honest fact, truth. And that's just shows what type of people you are. And like when you're a father of a daughter that has gone through that stuff, you, you just have no idea what it's like. These people that go through it, it's just my heart goes out to them now. And I'm so blessed now by us doing this camp that even this year, we get to affect more families. You know, last year we got to affect Elijah, and we got to do an extra family plus what you guys helped with Gracie, and now it's going into more families. And it's like, man, it's it's so awesome to be able to like help people out as well, and just to experience them from you guys, from me to you. But what it really means, you you, you know, it's there's no words, man. Like, there really is no words. I, I, I can't thank you guys enough for everything that you've done for my family. And I've just had some weird situations, like, some crazy experiences in my life, man. And that day that Gracie had brain surgery, the morning before she went back, like, an hour before she went back, man, everyone was praying for her at the same time, you know? And the feeling I got and just what I've experienced through my faith with her and stuff is a tribute to like you're, you guys are a huge part of that journey that's why I respect anything that for New Mexico baseball or you guys I consider you guys brothers because you guys were in that room with me that day you know and that's that's what runs deep man and I never understood that before when I played man and it, I, it's still like it gets to me today because I just didn't know back then but now seeing it from the other side it's like man it's like your, your, your identity is not baseball as a man you know, baseball is what you play, that you do, that's your skills, that's what you're being blessed with. But what you do as a man, like Grant said, by shaking hands, doing stuff that you, you can't even get stuff back for. You know, you're not, getting, you're not getting anything back for this. You know, you're not making money off this. You're not doing it. It's just that that's what God is going to bless you for and will continue to bless you guys for. And it's just amazing to be around quality men through this game like that like you guys and I just can't thank you guys enough for what you've done for Grace and what I see you guys do for the families in Albuquerque we'll be down there on Sunday we go down there every year and I remember when I first came to this town we kind of knew ABA you know and there was actually like I think a bad relationship when I first got here with ABA and that like no one really hung out with Farmington and ABA and then I sit here today doing this and I'm like you gotta be kidding me those guys are family always and it was just a connection through the game and you guys leading the charge man like these kids in New Mexico you guys are flying the flag high man and it's an honor for me to watch from the sidelines even up here like kids knowing that you guys are coming in here tomorrow and just I thought about this, man. My life's been so crazy. When I was 1991, the only baseball we got in Australia was the World Series on VHS once a year. And it was the Minnesota Twins Atlanta Braves World Series back then. So that was the only games I would get. And then I think I sit here today and I'm like, man, we have the Twins catcher hanging out. But as a kid, I would have never dreamed that I would ever get to be rubbing shoulders with a big leaguer. And it's like, how cool is it now that across New Mexico, all these young kids get to see you guys lead in the charge. And like like you're saying, pulling him under your wing. And then the next kid that sees. And you guys are changing the game forever, man. You know, you don't even see it sometimes. The seeds you are planting today 
man, they're, they're doing big things, man. So I just want you to know that before it gets crazy over the weekend for me. But, um, yeah, my thanks could never be enough for what you guys have done. And what I continue just to witness, you know, just with the families. And I know they all feel the same way. With Solly, Solly's still battling stuff now, man. Like, he's still battling stuff with his eyes. He'll be at the dinner tonight. He's still grinding. You know, Faith in Albuquerque, she's, you know, she's grinding. They're Chad Coon, great dude. I absolutely love him to death. And just what you've done for us, man. So just for me as a man to you guys, I respect you guys as a man, not because you play the game. You know, the game, I love seeing you guys have success in the game. Don't get me wrong. I wish you guys the best in every aspect. But as a man, you guys are the true man, the true, the true dudes that don't have to be here right now, but you are. And the, the the game will reward you for that. God will reward you for that, and it's just—it's it, a pleasure to be around and a pleasure to see, man. So wouldn't miss it, man. Wouldn't yeah. miss it. I think cool, just kind of to touch on that at the end, but just as sad as it is, it's the truth is that Gracie and Faith and Sully—they aren't going to be the only ones. Yep. You know, there's going to be somebody else, somebody else, and hopefully, <laughs> I think just for me, that passion of making sure I'm always here for this is that hopefully, you know, now these guys are getting up here and. You know, those kids that are going to be here, they're going to be in the big leagues one day, and hopefully this thing is able to keep it going. You yeah. know, and we're able to pass that down and hopefully help future families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're definitely changing a lot of families, man. There's, there's some people there tonight and talking. It's going to be a really fun night out there. And you just it, – it's, it's an honor to do, man. It's an honor to do. And it's a pleasure to have you guys in, man. I appreciate you guys sitting and talking with us for this long. Um, I love just hearing all the baseball stuff, man. It was, cool <laughs> yeah. to, it was cool to hear the perspective of just where you guys are at. You're like, you're talking about technology, man. When I learned to hit, it was just like a tee, a bucket of balls. And just, <laughs> I just went out there in a trampoline mat, and I was just like hitting. But now you just say just a different progression of it. And it fascinates me. I, I like learning and trying to figure it out because there is a lot more options. So that whole talk today was awesome. It was good to hear your perspective. For and, sure. Yeah. You know, I wish you guys the best in your career, Drew. Big year this year. Jared, of course, man, starting your career off. Mitch, I know you're going to do big things. And Scotty, having you out here all the time, man, it's always the best. We're actually going to... I see your shirt right there, man. That's right, baby. It's right up in front nice. of the Scott rack nice. right yeah. there. Nice. But, um, no, I wish nothing but the best for you guys, man. God bless all you guys. And I, I, I know you're going to do big things. And just uh, we appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you. Come on out. Grinders for grace. Right, man? Yep. We here.